Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Glad that you're here. If you're a guest of ours, my turn to welcome you uh, here at Bay Area with us. Glad you chose to worship uh, with us this morning. This is the first full week of school coming up, so I know for all of our students and parents and and really just about everybody in this room, our schedules change uh, when school starts. So we want to be prayerful for our kids and teachers and sports staffs and all of you who uh, are impacted by a new school year. Bill and Jim and Scott were at a convention together and they were sharing a suite on the 75th floor of a high-rise hotel. After a long day of meetings, they get back to the hotel to find out that the elevator was out of service and they're going to have to walk 75 flights of stairs. So Bill says, let's break this up a little bit. Let's make it a little more interesting. Let's pass the time a little more quickly. I'll tell you what, I'll tell jokes for the first 25 flights. And Jim, you sing songs for the next 25 flights. And then Scott, you can tell sad stories for the last 25 flights of steps. So they start walking up the stairs and Bill starts uh, telling jokes. At the 26th floor, Jim takes over and Jim starts singing songs. At the 51st floor, it's now Scott's turn, and Scott says, I'm now going to tell some sad stories, and I'm going to start with the saddest story I know. I left the room key down in the car. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. Everybody has a story. Everybody you meet, everybody you encounter this week, they have a story. And I will guarantee part of their story is going to be a sad story. Part of everyone's story is a little bit sad. Even if they have this great life, you know, you can look back in your own life and say, well, that was kind of a dark chapter for me. That was a difficult time for me. We've been spending the last couple weeks in the Old Testament. And we're going back, and I've been looking at some, maybe some lesser known, at least some people that we don't talk about quite as well, Bible characters and, and parts of their story. You know, we were in Jeremiah a couple of weeks ago, and, and last week we were in Hosea. I want to go back to the Old Testament this morning. And I want to look again at another person's story, at least a chapter of their story. And this particular person, by the way, is not lesser known in Scripture. In fact, uh, He's one of the heroes of the entire Bible. However, this chapter of his story, we don't talk about quite as much. And I'll tell you up front, it's it's a sad story. It's a sad chapter for this fella. And it's also a story that I would love to have some more information on. I would love to be able to ask some follow-up questions uh, to this part of his story. Second Samuel, we're going to talk a little bit about King David. Steve referenced David uh, in his comments this morning. His sons, his servants, his friends, his foes. The section of David's story this morning, it's about family, it's about deceit, it's about deception, it's about justice, it's about mercy. It's a fascinating story, and I think it's a story that we can learn some things today that will help us this week. And it really is about getting through what you're going through. David's sort of forced to get through what he was going through. I'm going to be doing quite a bit of reading from Scripture this morning, maybe even a little bit more than usual, but it does move the story along. So I'll encourage you to read along either on the screen or 
Open up your Bibles, that's always a good option too. And we're going to talk about a time in David's life when he was experiencing a very low period. It really is a dark chapter in David's life. He had some tremendous highs, but David also had some serious uh, lows. Time when he's completely broken. You know, we all know and we talk about David's sin with Bathsheba. That is not the story for today, but that is part of the context of today's story. Interesting side note, we all know that story of David and sinning with Bathsheba. That story, that event, is never mentioned again in Scripture after the occurrence. Which is a little bit fascinating when you think that with the exception of Jesus and Moses, no one has more written about them in Scripture than does David. Yet after that happened with Bathsheba, it's never again mentioned in Scripture. There's probably a lesson there. But David is forced to live with the consequences of that sin. The prophet Nathan comes to David and tells David, your child will die. And that's exactly what happens. He tells David, the women that you're closest to, that you love the most, are going to be disgraced in public. And that's exactly what happens. And Nathan also tells David, your own family is going to turn against you. And that's exactly what happens. David's son Absalom, his own son, uh, attempts to overthrow the kingdom, stages a coup for the throne, is actually is, is successful at ousting David from the, from the throne. And David is forced to flee Jerusalem, running for his life. The people that are closest to David are with him. And, and David basically is trying to get out and save his own life. In the whole story of highs and lows, this is a low for David. And most scholars agree that Psalm 40 was probably written during this series of uh, events in David's life. Let me share with you a couple verses out of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and out of the mud and the mire. Then if you skip down to verse 11, Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. My only hope is in your unfailing love and faithfulness. That's such a great line. My only hope is in your unfailing love and faithfulness. For troubles surround me, too many to count. They pile up so high I can't see my way out. They're more numerous than the hairs on my head. I've lost all my courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. David finds himself in what he calls the pit of despair. Now, I think back on some things that have happened here in our family in the last six or eight months. And I know some of you have been and maybe now are in the pit of despair. Going through a very dark chapter of your story. And you're crying out. Your only hope is God's unfailing love and faithfulness. And you're waiting patiently. Or maybe trying to wait patiently for the Lord to rescue you. And this is where David is. And then just when David is at his lowest, a man named Shimei shows up and begins to kick him while he's down. It's an odd, weird, interesting story. And again, it's something I, I think we can learn some things from today. Again, David's fleeing Jerusalem. As he is fleeing, I'm in verse 5 of 2 Samuel 16. As David and his party passed Berurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Gera, a member of Saul's family. 
So David and those closest to him are, are fleeing the city. They're running for their lives. This man shows up named Shimei, a descendant or a member of Saul's family, and he starts shouting curses at David. But that's not all that Shimei is doing. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded them. This man Shimei begins attacking David and his mighty warriors. But he doesn't attack with a sword or a spear or bow and arrow. He starts throwing rocks at David. He starts throwing stones at David's uh, mighty warriors. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for murdering Saul and his family, which, by the way, David did not do. You stole his throne, which, by the way, David did not do. And now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom, which, by the way, the Lord had not done. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, you murderer. This guy just goes off on King David. He just lets him have it. Not everyone in David's group is um, amused by this strange man. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king, Abishai, son of Zariah, demanded? Let me go over and cut off his head. Abishai is one of my all-time favorite characters in the Old Testament. He is fearless. He's a son of Zariah who happens to be David's sister. He plays a major role in David's life, but Abishai is, is David's nephew. Let me go over and cut off his head. Have you ever noticed when someone attacks you, when someone starts saying things about you, right or wrong, justified or not, it seems like there's always someone around telling you, you need to get even. You need to strike back. He shouldn't say that about you. You can't let her get away with that. Don't get mad, get even. Come on. You can't stand for that. You know, reply, hit send, do it. They come at you with a knife, you go at them with a gun. They put one of yours in the hospital, you put one of theirs in the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Somebody watches old movies. Very good. But there's always someone telling you, don't take that. You don't have to take that. Strike back. Notice David's response. No. What am I going to do with you, sons of Zariah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who am I to stop him? By the way, there were three sons of Zariah. They were all really men with short fuses. Abishai, Joab, and Ashael. Um, if you read the story there, they are ruthless men. Then David said to Abishai and the other officers, My own son is trying to kill me. Shouldn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse. For the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me because of these curses. So David and his men continued on, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing as he went and throwing stones at David and tossing dust into the air. 
That is just a bizarre scene. Abishai says, let me cut off his head. David said, no. The Lord is in this. And they continue on their way, and this strange little man, I call him little, I don't know if he's little or not, but he seems like he should be. This strange guy keeps pace with him on the hillside. And he keeps chucking rocks at him. And he keeps cursing him. And he starts throwing dust in the air. It's such an odd, odd scene. And don't miss the fact that what he is shouting are lies about David. David isn't guilty of anything that Shimei is claiming that he's guilty of. But David's response is, you know what? The Lord is in this. In fact, David's response is, God might even bless me because of what this man is doing, because of his curses. And so he continues to follow along with David and his party as they, as they head out of town. And you would think at some point David would say, okay, I've had enough of that guy. And he was just relentless. He wouldn't let up. At some point you would think David would say, okay, Abishai, go ahead. Do your thing. But he never does. David never does. Why not? I think it's because David had a soft heart. And he also had thick skin. And I think if you really want to be used by God, you're going to have to work at developing a soft heart. And to a certain extent, you're going to have to develop some thick skin. You're going to have to have some uh, thick skin because there are always Shemais out there. There are always Shemais who are yelling something, right or wrong. There's always somebody throwing rocks at you. There's always someone who just won't let it go. Just, they're bound and determined to take you down a peg. And you have to have some thick skin to deal with people like that. And you're also going to have to have a soft heart. Because there's Abishai's in your life too. Don't get mad, get even. Strike back. Let them have it. You don't deserve this. No payback in kind. And David's response is, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait patiently for the Lord. The Lord is in this. Perhaps the Lord will bless me because of these curses. Okay, for the sake of time, let's jump way ahead in the story. We're, we're skipping over a whole lot of things, but Absalom, who tried to overthrow David, has now been killed. He actually was killed by a son of Zariah, Joab, against David's wishes. But Absalom is out of the picture. David now is returning to Jerusalem as the king. Now, he fled Jerusalem when he thought he wasn't king any longer. Now he's coming back in Jerusalem. Now he's coming back as King David. And notice who shows up to greet King David. I'm in 2 Samuel 19, verse 15. So the king started back to Jerusalem. And when he arrived at the Jordan River, the people of Judah came to Gilgal to meet him and escort him across the river. Then Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Behurim in Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. It's just so odd to me. David returns to Jerusalem, and who shows up but the little rock thrower? The same guy that sort of, you know, escorted him out. Now he shows up with a very different message, I might add. Last time David saw this guy, he was cursing him. Shimei was throwing stones. It's not what he's doing now. 
As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My lord the king, please forgive me. Forget the terrible thing I did when, he, when you left Jerusalem. I know how much I sinned. That's why I've come here today, the very first person in all Israel to greet you. So Shimei shows up, this odd, weird, vindictive fella, shows up and he utters, I think, the three hardest words in the English language to say. He spoke in Hebrew, I'm sure. But Shimei tells David, I have sinned. David, I've sinned. And what he's really saying is, David, will you forgive me? And I wonder, I wonder when David was in that place, and here Shimei is, is on, on the ground in front of him, saying, I have sinned. I wonder if David remembered a time not too long ago in his own life when he said those exact same words to the prophet Nathan. When Nathan confronted him with his sin, and David's response was, I have sinned. Well, forgiveness comes much easier when we allow ourselves to remember all the times we've been forgiven. It is much easier to forgive someone else when we realize how much we have been forgiven. You know the old adage, you've heard me say this before, love the sinner, hate the sin. I think the more convicting part is love the sinner, hate my sin. Because I'm a sinner too. And when I realize my own faults and my own failings, when I realize my own sin, it's much easier to forgive you. So Shimei spread out for the David, I have sinned. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said, Shimei should die, for he cursed the Lord's anointed king. Abishai is not the forgiving type. He is not the forgetting type. David, he still needs the king. You might not remember. I remember this guy. He needs to die. I'll cut off his head. Say the word. I'll do it. You want me to do it? I'll do it. You know I'm dead? I'll kill him. Right now. I'll do it. You don't have to dirty your hands. I'll do it. Let's let me know. I'll kill him. Again, you gotta love David's response. What am I gonna do with you, sons of Zariah? David exclaimed. By the way, David would make that statement several times in his life. They're really interesting guys, these sons of Zariah. This is not a day for execution, but for celebration. I'm once again the king of Israel. Then turning to Shimei, David vowed, your life will be spared. David doesn't listen to the counsel of Abishai any more than he listened to the cursings of Shimei. How is that possible? How was he able to do that? Well, we all know that Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. And if you know the story, you know that that's really a bit perplexing because we know David's story. Remember, David was the second king of Israel. The first king of Israel was a guy named Saul. Just seeing if you're paying attention. Saul lost the kingdom because of his sin you remember what Saul's sin was that basically cost him the kingdom? He failed to completely wipe out the Amalekites. 
God said, I want you to wipe these people out totally. And Saul won the battle, but he spared the king, and he spared some of the choice livestock. And we talk a lot about the fact that, that Saul's sin was he was only partially obedient. Maybe you've heard that sermon before. No, partial obedience isn't enough. Well, we've already talked a little bit about one of David's sins, lust, adultery, murder. That is not partial obedience. That is in-your-face, wanton disobedience to God. The very things that God said never do, that's what David did. And yet, God calls him a man after my own heart. In fact, David's called that twice. Once in the Old Testament, it's repeated in the New. David is mentioned 42 times in the New Testament alone. He's referenced in the first verse of Matthew and the last chapter of Revelation. And every single time, he is always referenced in a positive light. The inspired writers of the New Testament realized just how revered King David was to the Israelites and how special he was to God. Why? Well, I don't think it's primarily because of his actions because as we just talked about, his actions were sometimes a bit ungodly. I think it was because of his focus. And I think it was because of his resolution to wait patiently for the Lord and to realize whatever chapter he might be going through in his life, that God was in it. And God had to be a part of it. Remember, we started this thing with Psalm 40. David saying, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. David was able to say, God, I am going to patiently wait for you to handle this chapter of my life. David had a heart that said, my only hope is Jehovah. My only hope is in your unfailing love and faithfulness. You know, I've already said that the forgiven should be the best forgivers in the world, right? We, Christians, we should be the best forgivers on the face of the planet. We should be the most compassionate, the most sympathetic, the most grace-filled and grace-giving people on the face of the earth. But that's not always the case. But David knew what it was to be a sinner. And he knew what it was to be forgiven by God. He knew the heartache of doing wrong. And he knew the, the freedom and the cleansing of repentance and forgiveness. And I think personally that it was in those darkest of chapters that God was seasoning David. That God was molding David in those weeks and months, and for David, years. And that he would call a really dark chapter. That God was teaching him some things. You know, proud people have a real hard time forgiving others. Proud people have a real hard time acknowledging their own sin. And proud people have a hard time sympathizing and relating to people who are broken and people who are hurting. That's why people who are broken, people who are hurting, never turn to proud people. They turn to people who know what it's like to be hurting. People who know what it's like to be broken. 
and know what it's like to be forgiven. They turn to people with soft hearts and thick skins and forgiving spirits. And somehow we've got to get better at responding to people with that Christ-like spirit. Like David, we need awareness of our own failures and our own need for forgiveness. This week, I guarantee, you're going to come across some shemais. Some people who just, they want to take you down. They're just bothersome. And they're relentless. And they just, they want to pick apart everything you do. You're going to need a tough skin for that. You need to realize, you know, this isn't what I'm about. God's in this. I'm going to wait for God to deal with this. And you need to come across some Abishai's too. Come on, do something. Take some dramatic action. Let them have it. You need a soft heart to deal with people like that. This week, may you find the patience and the grace and the heart of David to patiently wait on the Lord to lift you out of the pit of despair. You've heard this before. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. This week, may you be brave, may you be strong, and may you be happy with a soft heart, and a thick skin, and a forgiving spirit. As a church family, if we can help you in any way, we're here to do just that. If we can pray with you or rejoice with you, something going on in your past week or in the future that you just need the prayers of people who love you, there'll be some people in front of the auditorium. You can meet us there. Let's stand and sing.